everyone. Well, welcome back to the Team Up show. It gives me uh, great pleasure in welcoming this week's guest, uh, local entrepreneur and uh, collaborator out here at Runway Geelong, Simon Quirk. How are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. And look, I'm excited to have you on the show. Yeah, because, great to be here. Yeah, it is. And in the small time that we've interacted, um, I've come to learn quite a bit about you, the businesses that you're involved in, startups in particular, and also your background and the services that you provide for startups like ourselves. But for the audience watching and those listening on the podcast, I thought maybe you'd take the opportunity to introduce yourself, your background, and tell us a little bit about your journey that's brought you to, to now. Right, okay. Well, um, it's, a, it's quite a complicated journey and we've been through <laughs> many phases, as yeah. for, for most entrepreneurs, I guess. Absolutely. But um, So I actually started out as a lawyer. So I was working uh, as a corporate lawyer doing mergers and acquisitions and yep. private equity and top tier firms. Yes. I worked out pretty quickly that wasn't for me, yep. um, like in the six, first six months, but I stuck really? it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I stuck it out just to get the, I guess, the, uh, the experience. Yeah. And that was worth, definitely worth doing. And then I went in-house. So I, yes. ran, I ran a legal uh, department uh, for a listed company in Australia. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So you actually go in-house and, and head up that yep. department yep. and then advise on all things. Yeah. Like, and yeah, you're, right? you're managing risk then. So, that sounds so, like a lot of, exper- lot of exposure you can Yeah, it was. It was, it was yeah. a really interesting company. It was manufacturing, but it was a lot of it was around IP and licensing. Okay. So while they had a manufacturing component, a lot of the... Um, a lot of licensing. So the electric park brakes that everyone uses now, I worked on that patent at that. Oh, really? Yep. That worldwide patent for actually activating um, yeah. parking brakes. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So then I um, decided to go to London. Yes. And I um, went in house there. So I worked for a company uh, called Getty Images, which is probably oh, known yeah. to you. What and a story. Yeah. yeah. So, so obviously, um, stock imagery worldwide. That's right. And editorial imagery as well. Editorial imagery, yeah. And played a big part in the downfall of um, a lot of, I guess, professional photography houses. Yes, absolutely. What an evolution. So it was was a really interesting time to join that. And and it was effectively a startup at that time. Yep. So where I'd gone from uh, a client of the firm I was working for, which was Freehills, into a very established, long-standing company. Yep. Uh, when I went to Getty Images, um, it, would, it had just been rolled up. So basically got some money from the Getty family. Yes. And they got some uh, private equity and they rolled up a whole lot of these photography businesses, mum mm-hmm. and dad photography businesses with negatives in shoe boxes in a garage. Yes. Dust on them. Yep. And digitised them. And mm-hmm. it, was right, it was right around the time of obviously, it sounds crazy now because it mm-hmm. didn't seem that long ago, but mm-hmm. it was around, you know, web really coming on board. Yeah. You know, so I started in start of 2001. Yep. And uh, so I was the first legal hire. So everything up to that point was outsourced really? to one of the top firms. Yeah, that so. was quite a disruptive um, business and, and and change in that industry. Wasn't it was. It? Oh, yeah. it was huge. It was massive. Yeah. Even and to this day, I've worked with people who used to be a professional photographer based out of Hong Kong, and they travel around the world uh, doing professional photography, capturing stock, and then on selling it. But that, in effect, got rid of the the middleman, didn't it? It just sort of collated all onto a database. And now what we know is Getty Images, where we go to buy our... I mean, you see it on nearly every second website, don't you? Stock imagery. It's, That's right. It's rampant. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. So it was a really interesting time to be there. So it was a agri- So I had to build up a, a team from scratch. So I was there yeah. for nearly five years. And when we left, when I left, the team was like 25 people. Wow. From me being the first legal hire. The first mm-hmm. week I went and got someone from sales ops as my yep. paralegal. And they ended up qualifying as a lawyer and they're still there. Yes. Uh, but it was so a really amazing time. Really quickly, sorry, it's just because I've got a question that's come to mind is that... Um, 
you, you mentioned how Getty was like almost like a startup, and yep. you were the first legal hire. Mm. What number higher is usually a legal person in a startup in the scheme of things? Like, what number overall would you have been? Ooh, I'd say to be pretty late. Like, yeah. it, you, okay. you know, they, they were going from zero to a corporate with the funding they had. Yes. To a corporate play pretty quickly. So, okay. so that they it wasn't a, um, like an early stage. Let's come up with an idea and build it up and okay. up. They they were it was an aggregation play, so it yes. was an immediate scale play. But it had that startup feel. Yeah. To it. it was really exciting, and we yeah. you know, and we were. At that time, was we we're burning through cash still, so yeah. it was it wasn't it wasn't like the business you see today. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, but it was a very very exciting time to be there. We're really in the ascendancy, and, mm. and it probably gave me the the hook, I think, for that you know that early stage high growth type yeah. business, changing an in industry. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had our first child over there. And, oh wow. Yeah, and then so we decided to come back. I probably would wouldn't have minded staying for a bit more really? of the journey yeah, yeah yeah but we decided to come back to australia for you know um yeah. for all the reasons that people typically do when they have a family but um and when i came back i took uh, i didn't want to go back into legal because yep. the role i had at get images was really i wasn't doing a lot of hands-on legal work at mm -hmm. that stage as much yes. or not as much i was doing some yeah but i didn't want to go back into role where i was the sole person and didn't have a team and it was yes. a very static a company yeah. just sort of just so I went into a, another aggregation play, which was a financial services company, similar sort of thing, but a lot smaller scale in financial advice and funds yes. management. Yep. I was a COO there, and then we got taken over by uh, one of the big banks, mm -hmm. and uh, that was <laughs> not what I wanted to work for. Really? So that was my yep. opportunity then to jump out and do my own thing. Yeah, great. Uh, so then I, I jumped out. I did, uh, and I still do consulting advisory work, which I yes. really enjoy, and I mm -hmm. learn a lot from as well as giving a lot of value. Yes. And then I did my first startup just to business planning platform called strategy fusion which is still going well wow. um and uh and uh so i'm my strategy one of my fusion strategy fusion com yep yeah, oh, dot com i think just dot com strategy yeah dot com dot au as well okay yeah. check that out yeah yep uh and uh then um one of my co-founders is running that and then out of that uh and so getting i think the thing that people forget when they do a startup is that you're solving a problem Yep. It might sound ridiculous to say that, but the, the, the biggest um, issue that I see with the startups that are involved in is they're not solving a problem and they're not solving a big problem. Yep. So the problem we were solving there is that I saw that um, strategic business planning was either done really poorly, mm -hmm. um, uh, even in the businesses below that who could afford KPMG or yes. afford to have their own in-house capability, mm -hmm. but and you know they weren't a small business, but they needed that planning process. So I thought we'd look at a way we could have a platform where you answer questions and it builds your plan and your financials without mm -hmm. you having to actually do it manually. Yes, and that's what we did. So we we co-founded that with a couple of PhDs in business strategy, mm -hmm. um, and then but it was it was through that process that I identified another problem, which brought me to one of my current businesses, which I'm CEO of, which is Vidversity, yes. and that is that we went to build. Um, an online course around this platform yep. and I could not believe how expensive it was. It really? was like to do old school e-learning was just so expensive really and so yeah. slow. So I went to my now co-founder in Vidversity who I was at uni with, um, yes. Natalie Whelan, and I said to Natalie, I I've got these quotes You've got an online learning business for lawyers, mm -hmm. um, you know, where she produces content and you're in the online space and a real sort of expert or guru in that area. Am I missing something? I mean, why is it yeah, going to cost 250 yeah. grand and take six months to do it? Yes. Because it's basically almost the MBA type curriculum of that mm -hmm. volume. 
So, well, that's just what it is. You have slides and you've got to populate each slide and lots of things and the instructional design and it goes back and forth and everything. And okay, that would seem right. So then um, a little while, so we pivoted away from that. We didn't yep. have the funding to do it. Yep. And then we, we, we went to, um, uh, when I sort of stepped away for a little while, then I caught up with her and she said, oh, I'm just doing this little app for my own business. I just want, just want to take a video of this barrister talking for an hour or something like that, chop yep. it up, add a range of interactions and just publish it all on one platform. And that, at the moment I have to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it doesn't really work, it doesn't really publish, and I couldn't find anything. So I'm, so I'm doing it for my business so I can do it. What do you think? And I said, well, what do I think? I think if it's, if, you know, it's, a thing, it's an amazing idea and I'm not surprised you come up with it because that's what she's like. Yeah. But if it's, if it's going to be, you know, we, we basically agreed that if it's going to be good for, it would have been amazing for what mm-hmm. um, we'd already pivoted away from that for strategy fusion. It would have been exactly what we needed. Yes. Um, and it would have been great. For, it's great for her business. So what to see if there's other businesses that it would be good for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying yes. And yes. that was the start of adversity, which well, is video learning. Well, just for those watching um, and on the podcast, we'll oh, just pull well it up on the screen. But no, look, uh, the reason why I ask is because I'm keen to understand more about how it actually works and also for everyone listening and, and viewing. But just overall, like we can see here, it's an it's a, it's a ed tech platform mm-hmm. and it's, it's high impact video courses and assessments. So that's the important part yep. inside your learning management system. Yep. So just give me an example of a, a real world or real life example of someone that's using this platform. Yeah, time. sure. All right. So a use case may be for the corporates and government yes. where they're training their own people okay. is that they have Linda courses, they have a whole lot of third party courses that they yeah. can bring in, but every big organization has their own IP and their own way of doing things. Yep. A lot of what happens in organizations, they get people internally to present. Yes. And I wouldn't have to tell you that capturing things on videos is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a great miss. way to leverage things, but yep. you know, but yep. um, so uh, a, lot of that, a lot of that's lost and people couldn't attend or they start with the organization about two weeks after that presentation, it's missed until the next one. Yep. And a lot of that face-to-face delivery just gets lost. But what we're finding is even if they did capture it on video, it's just a passive one hour sitting on some drive somewhere, um, it wasn't consumed. Yeah. So it just wasn't utilized. Accessible. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what people will do is they'll capture like a lunchtime presentation given by someone internally on the know-how of the organization. Mm-hmm. They'll upload it to our platform. They'll yes. capture it using our mobile app. Yes. Um, or, or wow. So we're recording from the phone. Again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Okay. Um, and then. Uh, then they'll um, upload it to the platform, mm-hmm. edit it, create chapters, Beautiful. logical chapters, um, and then add a range of interactions like subtitles, links to other resources, questions, mm. um, summary notes, PowerPoint pages, all sitting over the top of the video. And the real key here is instead of having a whole lot of slides and then having to put bits of video and other things in it, which doesn't work anyway from a technical perspective very mm-hmm. well, um, you start with video, which is mm-hmm. what people have done since the time of Socrates, we always say, which is just yeah. talking and speaking and delivering with yes. language, and then build the other, what they call learning assets on top. Mm-hmm. So that flip is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Plus the ability to deliver it easily on any device. Yep. Then they'll publish it, and they'll either publish it into a learning management system or without a learning management system, and they'll capture the data yep. for what learners are doing and what they're doing or not doing, so they can um, work out you know, what the, how things are going from a... Yeah. A knowledge and learning. So, so there's there's two users with Vidversity. Correct me if I'm wrong. So the user being the employee, a resource within the company. Yep. And then the company itself that goes 
we want to increase the engagement and the effectiveness of our um, our video and our learning materials yep. and how we get it to our employees. Yep. And right? a, really, a really key thing here is, and this is what's taken a lot of time, is to make it really simple and easy mm-hmm. to create video. So we want people who are not technical and who are not learning and development designers or as they call them or instructional designers to be able to do it. And yep, that's why we work really hard and we crack that nut so, yep. that, so that anyone can do it who just wants that to be really, able to That really learning. makes me think of Canva, you know, how easy that's made graphic design. It, and, uh, uh, yeah. It's funny, we, we, don't, we don't want to get carried away, obviously, where Canva's gone to, but yep. um, that, that is, the analogy has, is the yep. same with us. We look to democratise online learning. That's really what we're seeking yep. to do, the, the, the you know, publishing consumption of it. Yeah. So that, that's a use case for internally. Uh, a big a big client of ours is also educators where they would do the same sort of thing. So they capture their lecture or a tutorial or, a, mm-hmm. or and, and then they would um, publish it to their students mm-hmm. in the same way. So yep. they, instead of having just a one hour lecture. And, and the thing about um, video is that because it's very passive. Yes. Unless you're actually having to do things on the video yep. like with us. Where you're watching a one-hour video and you're sitting in front of your computer, it's very, very hard to keep attention. Like the yeah. sort of attention and engagement you need to really take the learning in. So it's been shown by MIT uh, maths um, academics that after six minutes, you're kind of having to bring yourself back if you're just sitting there watching a video. Yep. Um, and then after 12 minutes, you really sort of struggle. You're having to do things to kind of keep that level of, you know, stop daydreaming yeah, effectively. Totally, yeah, totally, right? yeah. Um, so that, that engagement is really important from an um, uh, uh, academic point of view. So, well. so, so one of the problems this is solving is the engagement of maybe like a student at university yep. who's studying uh, remotely and is watching a lot of video content and lectures is increasing their engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, yeah. right. Well, that's a good story. Yeah, it is. And um, uh, so we've had really good take up on this, but mm-hmm. we've got some sort of leading Australian corporates Mm-hmm. Uh, leading Australian unis um, uh, using it. Yep. So that was our first product mm-hmm. and that's been going very well. Uh, and we're just about to, we're talking to people about expanding that into China and North America. Nice. Then um, we realised that um, looking at, because we're all, we're all about video learning, yep. we're, we actually realised um, through talking particularly to academics yep. that video assessment is an issue. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is that, that video assessment um, where uh, the um, uh, where the student captures something on video yes. and then provides that as an assessment piece. Yep. And at, essentially, at the moment, it's, it's almost like an email. Like, say, so basically, email a video in, and someone looks at it and they email you back, and then the then the academics then got to record all the outcomes in their different yep. system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so really what we're, what we're talking about here is that um, is streamlining the whole thing. So we embed mm-hmm. our t- web tool in the academics screen in the learning management system. Yes. We embed uh, an interface for the student to edit their videos and submit them within the system and then also use our uh, native apps for the student to capture and upload. Great. So it's a streamlining of interactions both ways mm-hmm. with um, student and uh, assessment. So video assessment is really important for plagiarism. Yes. Um, it doesn't obviate plagiarism, but it yep. means it's very, what you can get some, the academics can get some clues if someone really understands it or not by doing a video assessment as opposed to getting a, an assignment done by someone else. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, which is pretty common these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, group assignments, easy to submit all the group assignments. 
saves time and people like to interact through video. So that one is just really, we've been trying it with a few leading unis and now yes. we've put it just about to put the pedal down that one. So we're super excited about that one. Yep, So um, Yeah, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty exciting. Uh, oh yeah, it's and, a and, what, what, I think one of the one of the factors is you've got to be solving a, a, a big problem, yes. which we are, like assessment and online learning, I mean, yep. it's not going away. But I think the, the thing that's really helped us is the timing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the next factor that, that a lot of uh, people, you, you know, and there's a bit of luck in that, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're riding the wave of online learning. There's nothing new there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, in the couple of years we've been going, the, the rise of consumption of video... Um, yeah. it's just accelerating and, yeah that's uh, the next question yeah. I was going to ask you for for a startup watching or perhaps even an established business that's maybe seen the rise of video and that type of content um, and obviously you're in the business of mastering the art of video and it's mm. used but how important would you rate it for a startup as part of their strategy in explaining what they do and also what type of video have you found in your experience is most effective so obviously you know you've got one hour lectures and that type of product that's happening on yours but maybe even from a marketing perspective with your businesses mm. um tell us a bit about your experience with video in general and where you, where you see heading for, for startups and okay businesses. yeah so video i think is hugely important yep uh funnily enough because we've been so busy we haven't explored as much as we would like yeah and only probably a couple of hours ago i was actually chatting to natalie and saying right we've got our products better down We've got yep. people now selling for us rather than mm. us having to go out and sell. Mm-hmm. We can now really focus on really honing our uh, message. Yes. And a lot of that's going to be through video. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, the, the feedback that we get from people who it's kind of a little bit like A-B testing. So where they mm-hmm. have been using uh, the traditional online learning, yes. the slides, maybe you might launch a YouTube video from the slide. Yep. But, um, or uh, you have an embedded file in the slide, often that crashes. But yep. uh, but the, the feedback we get when they do a Vidversity course, where, it's, yes. where video is the basis for it, yep. they say, love, love the new format. Yep. And that wasn't to us, that was more to our customers. They, yep. you know, they, they, they get such great feedback because uh, video is, is uh, a medium which is, um, it's easy to consume now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of my friends who really... You know, I mean, at my my vintage, um, aren't exactly sort of uh, technically minded. They go, well, video has yep. been around for ages. Why now? Well, the reason why now is it's 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 easy and cheap to consume. It's easy yep. and cheap to store and consume. Yep, totally. Five ten years ago, if someone picked up your mobile phone and started watching a video, you'd, you'd grab it off them and go, yep. you know, I'm going to get this yep. massive bill. Yep. But now people can consume it everywhere, and they and they want to, and you can get the nuances of language. Um, uh, the body language, yep, all those aspects, and that—that's what they really like. They really want to see that, uh, yeah. rather than just reading things. They can still yep. read things on Vidversity. Occasionally, yep. you have little slides and get them to do something different to break it up. Yep, but it's—it's that—it's that ability to communicate using all the dimensions, which is really important. So our next phase, which we're building at the moment, particularly around our benchmark campaign as mm-hmm. we're launching it. Ton of that's going to be video, both us talking, yep, but also um, uh, demonstrations and talking over, seeing how it works, and yeah, and whatever the movement. So we're going to be very, little, very little static in this next thing. It's all going to be video. Yep, absolutely. Mm. Well, yeah, we do a lot of it. We've noticed with our clients that um, a small change we've made recently is we've added the ability to have a transcription uh, service available for each video because 
I didn't realise, but I've seen that a lot of videos actually consumed without sound because mm. of the mobile device and the nature of um, uh, not being in private, but just sort of being in an environment sure. where maybe someone's scrolling, but they can't have sound. Yeah. So adding that transcription, not to mention that the offshoot of that for us has been we can now publish publish an article of the transcription. So like, for example, today we'll publish this podcast, this video, We'll add the transcription, but then we'll also publish an article of that transcription mm-hmm. so that we've found a bit better in Google. Yep. But it's just amazing how um, videos actually opened up and complemented um, a lot of digital strategies um, recently, which is which is great. It's just added to it. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So we're very biased, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we, we are very much around, obviously our, our focus is ed tech, but video is a, yep. is a, is a big part of, of what we're doing. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it's it's going to be just the massive medium of the of the, it's it's a it's a medium now, but increasingly it's going to be the medium of the future. Yep. So. Okay. Beautiful. Mm. Well, um, so it's vidversity dot Just dot com. Dot com. Beautiful. We're going global. Yeah. Right? Yep. So vidversity v i d v e r s i t y. Yep. Dot com. Yep. All right. They can check that out. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to transition a little bit because um, before we started recording, we touched upon something really interesting, which I think would be incredibly relevant for our audience and we've conducted a few episodes now where we've talked about things such as how to find funding, mm-hmm. how to find the best fit investor, yep. how, to, how to apply for or start the process of getting a grant, you know, and understanding, reverse engineering the process to understand, well, what's, why is a grant created? Or um, we've also been talking about solving a problem, you know, how relevant mm-hmm. is your problem, how big is it? And what we talked about earlier, which I reckon I'd love to get a bit more understanding of here, is and given your experience in the corporate sector, mm-hmm. is we talked about how you've noticed that a lot of startups are solving a problem which an existing business or corporate may also be trying to solve themselves. Yeah. But not all of startups and corporates have made the connect and the distinction, or well, not the distinction, the connection between themselves and each other to understand that, hang on, maybe they could get on the same page. Yeah. And complement each other. So I probably haven't explained it as best as you could. So I'll let you sort of explain that concept and just share with everyone the reason why that might be a really good strategy to consider if you're looking to scale your startup quicker and solve a few problems like funding and resources and that type of thing. Yeah. So the the corporate startup partnership is it's 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 been talked about for for a while. Yeah. But. Uh, through some of the advisory work that I do, particularly in in the legal space and, yeah. and legal tech, um, I've I've noticed a a, a, a trend. It was not even a trend actually, but it, it's it's uh, some real benefit to um, partnering. Now, when you when you're talking about a business that's up and running, has been uh, around for a while, and it's it's still I guess not we're not even scaling it's growing it's a stable mature business just just for everyone listening watching what would an example be just to put it in context uh, well uh, in in my context Mills Oakley lawyers okay so um, an established law yeah, firm yeah established law firm hundred over a hundred partners been around for 150 years yep it's it's done extraordinarily well with its um, uh, existing new law uh, sorry old law I should say as yep. we call it so it's um, not that it's not growing it's just that no. it's not it's not looking to innovate. Oh, no, it is. It, it is, is yeah. yeah. So it's and looking to innovate, but it's not. What, what's it? What's it missing that a startup could could easily complement? The um, what it's missing is that the the way that the existing business and this is the same for any business, mm-hmm. right? 
um, but uh, the um, the way that it's it's set up and doing very well uh, continues to do very well. But not all law firms are. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of disruption in, really? in the legal space. Oh, huge amount. Yeah. It's going to be the next ten years is going to be massive disruption in in the legal space. It's already yep. started. Yep. Um, but doing very well at that. But people are very good at prosecuting, if you like, that old business model. Mm-hmm. And they've been trained that way. They're incentivized that way. So the, one of the things that I think that a lot of um, businesses um, try to do mm-hmm. is that they, they really focus on trying to change people and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, going to have a, we're going to have a culture change project. We're going to do yep. all this and we're going to get you to innovate and we're going to get you to sort of come up with all these, these ideas when really what they should be doing is sustaining innovations around that mm-hmm. existing business model. Sorry, this is not what they should be doing. This is what they should consider. Yes. And then to um, partner with, uh, whether it be startups or people mm-hmm. who are entrepreneurs or, yes. or in, the, in the legal innovation space, to co-create mm-hmm. solutions to problems. Yep. Now, whether they be the problems of the, um, uh, the, the firm mm-hmm. that they've got internally or problems for their clients. Mm-hmm. Because the, the people who they are then partnering with aren't shackled with the responsibility of delivering on the existing business model. Yes. Startups, as we know, um, are or should be like an organization that is completely focused on solving one problem or a single set of problems. Yes. Whereas uh, a mature business is much more complex and they've got to solve a lot of problems. Um, yep. And uh, and so so what, what, what we're seeing is that if... If an existing organisation has the mindset of partnering and, and and instead of having to own everything that they innovate, yes. uh, and and if a, if a startup can find that right organisation yep. uh, that that wants to solve uh, a problem and mm-hmm. do that um, in conjunction, it can be uh, a, a, um, a great great outcome for both organisations. And so I've been working with Mills Oakley for um, for a number of years now. Yep. Uh, and we're seeing some great success with them in that space. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't suggest that every law firm is up for that, but mm-hmm. if a startup can find, I'm talking about law firms at the moment because that's, that's my sort of current experience, but I've mm-hmm. been speaking to other corporates, yeah. um, insurance companies, uh, property, mm-hmm. uh, not property developers, but property investment companies. To see other yeah, absolutely. There, yeah. So, um, and about this, this approach, Mm-hmm. Um, and it is becoming increasingly uh, attractive mm. um, to those companies. But it does take the mindset of actually saying, we don't have to own the innovation, but as the problem solved and we can get the right partnership, that's the most important thing yep. the speed. So but if you, if you are a startup and you can find that right um, organisation to partner with, yep. it can really accelerate things a lot. So, okay, so I think we've established there that uh, big corporates and established businesses are probably more open than a startup may realise to partnering with them. And quite often when you have a startup, uh, don't take for granted the experience and connections you may have made in the corporate world yes. before taking the leap because it could be some really low-hanging fruit to find a partner. Yep. Beyond that, just give me a really easy, quick way that comes to mind of how a startup could go about reaching out. So, you know, I'm thinking of something like, well, okay, you could direct message your colleague on LinkedIn, or you could ask for an intro to uh, someone at a particular corporate, or is there a database or resource that comes to mind where you can find 
the listed person who'd be best contact for a startup program or a partnership program with a company or how, how would you go about it? Well, there's an idea. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm sure they probably do exist. No, I think it's really around, it's, it's probably some desktop research to really find mm-hmm. the company that, uh, that you feel probably has the right culture and approach, but also yeah. they're, 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 you're solving a, or wanting to solve a problem yeah. that's going to be beneficial for yeah, them so or their fit. clients. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a fit element. And then it, there's just all the kind of the, the, the hustle that you mentioned there yeah. and trying to, trying to get in there. But mm. the, the benefits, um, you know, it's, it's, I think everyone uh, eulogizes the, you know, the great success stories in startups. I mm-hmm. mean, that's not new. Um, but to to have the right partner that has the experience, the connections, mm-hmm. uh, you know, particularly when you're an early stage startup, you know, the resources, they may, you know, and this probably works best if there is some sort of, if you find the right partner that's really working to have some sort of equity alignment so yep. that they're motivated to help you in the long term. Yep. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a, it can be a real um, leg up. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, so we've, I've seen that in the work that I've been doing, but also some of the other um, businesses that I that I'm involved in, um, you know, are going to benefit from those sort of you know really close partnerships as well. Great. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I think um, it'd be interesting for people watching and listening to hear. Maybe you could give us an insight into what you're currently reading, who you're currently following or paying significant attention to on social media. Yep. And finally, any thoughts on some general advice you'd give to startups um, starting on their journey? Obviously, they can get in touch with you. I'm sure Simon <laughs> seems like a pretty friendly guy. But uh, you'd be a, a wealth of knowledge for helping startups avoid easy problems initially. So I'd encourage everyone to, to reach out. But yeah, please do. Tell me, yeah, what, who are you following? What are you reading? And what's your advice for a startup? Well, I'm a uh, grazing type reader, okay. so I, I read a number of books yep. at the one time and pick up and put them down. Uh, there's a book I've actually read recently which uh, has been somewhat a revelation for me. It's a book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh, I've seen that. I saw yeah. Anthony Robbins' interview and he's got the biggest, has he got the biggest hedge fund? One of them, Bridgewater. Yeah. The, the, that book has been um, pretty amazing for me uh, because what it's really taught, what it, what it tells people is you've got to think of your whole kind of life, but particularly working life as a system, and know what your role is in it, mm-hmm. and then what the role of other people within your that system should be. It's mm-hmm. not about using them, it's actually about seeing the whole thing. And, and his, what he's saying is that what people don't do, not just in their business but standing back from the whole picture of how everything fits together is they spend too little they spend most of the time doing mm-hmm. and not enough time thinking about the system as a whole so because of that i'm starting now to see things differently and all the various things i'm doing how they fit together what the themes are mm-hmm. and how they can actually leverage off each other so that's this is more and that book principles by ray dalio mm. from what i could gather listen to his interview he, does he also talk about a system where all of his decision making is uh, referenced back to his principles? Yes. Yep. And then and then the and then the principles evolve. So okay. instead instead of actually making decisions based on gut or just whatever happens in the moment, you're continually evolving these principles. So I've only yeah, recently I've... read that book, but that that's yeah. been a that's been a really you know important one both within 
the, 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 the principles apply within the businesses. Yep. So that sort of, it's a mode of thinking really and mm-hmm. or a mindset and then also, you know, as a whole. But other than that, I, I tend to consume um, a lot of books like I read when Tim Ferriss does one of his mentor books. So I'll go right through through that. You know, there's um, yep. Tribe of Mentors and yes. those sorts of books. Being a lawyer, are you a quick reader? I am. Are you, are you um, do you like an audio book or a podcast in the car? Oh, or? podcasts. Yeah. Feminine. Yeah, so... Yeah, listen to this one over. Oh, over, over, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this one's religious. <laughs> I religiously listen to. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> who no, are you I, following I, online? Who are you, who, or who do you draw inspiration or find that's doing a great job online, social media? I mean, for me, obviously, Gary V. Yeah, so no, I do like Gary Vee. I probably, uh, yeah. Um, so I like all that, all yep. that you know, the sort of the the mindset stuff. It's, yes. a, good, it's a good, good sort of uh, or approach. You know, the the yeah. the, the uh, approach. And I, I do, I do like Gary Vee. I particularly like. Um, I don't want to sort of keep saying like I'm, I'm old, but, <laughs> but a lot of I'm older for. Like, yeah. I'm not the sort of the twenty three year old. You know, sleeping yep. on the couch. Top entrepreneur, so I do like Gary Vee's very good at sort of the um, I like his sort of things. It's just you know, you just got to you're always learning until you you know, um, check what out. about that, um, Jim Rohn? Jim Rohn, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yep. like it, like his stuff doesn't get older, no, it doesn't, it doesn't, as, as even some of the Peter Drucker stuff doesn't, but I particularly like Jim Rohn stuff, yeah. Um, I, I also listen to um, specific uh, uh, area yeah, podcasts on the areas that I'm involved in so yep. legal innovation and legal tech I'm very interested yes. in uh, and ed tech mm-hmm. but then also um, I do really enjoy uh, uh, software as a service mm-hmm. podcasts as well so there's one called SASTA and a few other of yes. those VC type podcasts where they give you um, insights into and principles what, by which to run a business so my strategy fusion was a software as a service yep. diversity software as a service and uh, I really love the, the, the software as a service as a model is something continually learning mm-hmm. and and the print it's a little bit like the one I was talking about with Ray Dalio the principles that mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, with um, uh, with software as a service you can apply to any situation mm-hmm. like you can look at you know long-term customer value cap cap payback all these sort of things which yeah. won't mean anything to the listeners but there's all these sort of things about it which make a lot of uh, make make uh, things much easier to run a business and to see how things yep. are going to um, to to build it. So that's one as well. So what was your and the final last piece was yeah one piece of uh, advice for a startup you know really getting cracking on their journey. Yeah, um, be prepared for a, a very very long ride. Uh, and and that that might sound like a cliche, but but it's I, it always will take longer than you think. Yep, uh, it'll always be harder than you think. Um, and you are going to get um, smacked around a lot, like even in diversity now. I mean, we're, you know, we, we've got some fantastic blue chip customers. Yep. We have uh, good weeks and bad weeks, and Natalie, Natalie and I laugh about it. Is that is that I don't really when I say bad weeks, um, sometimes nothing's working. Yep. But you've got to be someone who just loves solving mess mm-hmm. and problems. Okay. And, and that's where I'm most engaged, and that's why that's why I find <coughs> that's sure why they... I find I'm most charged is when when things are probably when things are going too too well, or it's too easy. It's probably why I left the corporate space when you just yep. kind of got a nice job and things are ticking over. Yeah, I didn't find that very exciting. Yep. Uh, so you have to you have to actually enjoy the the the, the sort of the daily 
challenge of something new yes not going the way you sort of think it should or whatever yep. and then continually learning and rising above it so it's it's you've, you've got to be prepared for a, a very long and hard journey yep and also that that um it needs to be a sort of i think a a lifelong sort of commitment because each time you do it mm-hmm. and i don't think it, you can read as much as you like me there's just you just cannot learn other than through uh, as much through doing it. it might sound obvious so I, I love it so much that you know that that I I don't really want to retire. Yeah. Um, I will one day, but I don't have a like. Oh, I'm going to be 65. I, I want to be 80 and still maybe yep. not going at the same pace. Yeah. But um, but because by then I'll have learned so much that I'll you know I want to be either you know passing it back or continuing to apply it. So. Excellent. Does that make? I don't know. Where that it does make sense. You do. I can't pitch you on a cruise ship. <laughs> Uh, no, no, nor can I. I think the, the thought of it kind of scares me a little bit, but um, uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, but it, it's a it's if you it, it it is hard in some ways. Yep. But if you really embrace that, then it's hugely satisfying. I think, and I think the thing about it is that you've got to you've got to keep reminding yourself we cr- we created something new. It's not about just you know, prosecuting like a, an old business model everyone's done before, but maybe doing a bit better on the advertising or. Like you actually create something new, mm-hmm. and when people think this is this is the if I like if I could say the drug, is that you create something new, um, or novel or a new way of doing things, and someone says yes I like that. When you, when that happens, uh, it's you know or each time that happens, mm-hmm. um, it's so exhilarating. Mm-hmm. It's that creative process, and you've got to remind yourself. Well, yes, it's hard, but look what we've done so far and yep. where we've got to. Totally, it's another piece of advice, I guess. Yeah, that's great. All right, so Simon Quirk, local entrepreneur, board member at Runway Geelong and co-founder of vidversity.com. Yep. Thank you for your time. Now, if people want to get in touch, they can find you on LinkedIn. Yep, absolutely. Social media, Facebook, yep. Twitter. Uh, not Facebook. Okay. Uh, well, I am, but no. Mainly, yeah. mainly, mainly Twitter and LinkedIn. Beautiful. Yep. Well, we'll share the links after this and we'll also give you a link to vidversity to check that out, what a great tool it is. And don't forget to rate and view us on the iTunes Store, Stitcher, Spotify. And uh, we'll see you all on the other side. But once again, Simon Quirk, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. It's great. Thank you. Another amazing episode here on the Team Up Show. Thanks so much to our wonderful guests. That's it for now, guys. But don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes Store, on Stitcher and Spotify. And to get in touch with us, maybe you want to be one of our next guests. Or maybe you've got some suggestions for our content. We're more than happy to hear from you. You can email through at info at teamupdigital.com.au and find us across social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For now, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode.